Thursday edition of Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. You've got half of that duo here. Alongside Blaine Bishop, I am Will Bowling. Pleased to be filling in for the one and only Mickey Ryan this afternoon. Lots to discuss with you over the next couple of hours. Titans training camp discussion coming up at 120 with John Glennon of Broadway Sports Media. And the coach, Doug Matthews, in studio in hour two. Coming up at 2.20 to talk about Tennessee Vols camp out in Knoxville and how Josh Heupel sets the standard for his team for his first camp in Knoxville as the head man. Blaine, good to see you, my hey friend. Hey, man. I mean, you, you must uh, be good luck or bad luck. It depends on how you look at it for, for Kaiser. That's right. Uh, <laughs> because there's, there's breaking news. Glenn's going to tell us about it. But I kind of go into detail a little bit because I was, I was driving in that that uh, they're either going to release him or injured, or uh, he hurt his thumb, or is that not yes. the case? So John Glennon, Buck Rising, both reporting that Deshaun Kaiser is out, and Matt Barkley, per his Twitter account, is in as the new uh, member of the quarterback room of the Tennessee Titans. Oh, so Matt Barkley broke the news that he's going to be a tight. Yes. Yeah, oh. it was funny. We were sitting in the oh. green room, and uh, our digital like that. digital producer assistant, Brett Batchelor, was like, oh, who's reporting that? I said, oh, Matt Barkley. <laughs> oh, it's a pretty, I, I, pretty credible source. Yeah, you know, uh, Matt Barkley, was he with the Bills last? Bills, uh, the past couple seasons, started with Philly, a fourth-round uh-huh. pick in 2013, 19 career games played, seven starts with a 2-5 and five record as a starter, and he has not started a game since 2016. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a, a solid backup. He doesn't have a big arm like Kaiser, but much more accurate, uh, a little more polished. Uh, but uh, I think I, I don't. I mean, I don't know the differences between him and Kaiser. I don't know if it's the injury or just you said Kaiser wasn't looking very good at practice, which right. doesn't surprise me. A lot of people are saying that, uh, but it's shocking to me because he has all the tools. Uh, to be, you know, he looks the part. He has the big arm. He probably needs to work on his accuracy and all those things. And then picking up the offense, maybe just never felt comfortable uh, because he was missing passes out there. So Matt Barkley, that's kind of his mo. Is he does throw the accurate, shorter passes and is you know more accurate. Doesn't have the big arm and the big, you know, cannon like Tannehill or Kaiser or whoever else you want to put with that. But uh, one thing that keeps lasting. A guy from the Mac. Oh, Mr. Woodside. That's right. They cannot get rid of Woodside. Matter of fact, I can't wait to see him in a regular season game. Oh, we will never see him because Tannehill will not, <laughs> not be injured. So he will be playing in all those games unless we're blowing somebody hey, don't, out. Don't speak that into existence. No, There's he, a lot of people. Knock on wood everywhere yeah, knock around on wood. I'm not right gonna, now. But this is not wood over here. I don't know what this table is. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Woodside, man, he just keeps on ticking. It's incredible the the – continuity you've had in Logan Woodside as a member of the Titans. That's correct. Dude just keeps trucking right along. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> honestly impressive. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that with John Glennon coming up here in about 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, Vols camp underway as well. Uh, how about USA basketball last night, Blaine? They figured out how to play basketball again. And now yeah, they're going to play for a gold medal. That is that is kind of unbelievable. I did not watch them last night, but I've been watching them. And the one thing that that stands out to me compared to past U.S. teams, they don't lock them down defensively. Right. Like, they can do it for right. a period of time, Definitely. but it seems like their legs get tired. But that's the one thing, every time you watch the Olympics and, and you're talking about basketball, uh, 
the defense, man. It's like they play harder in the Olympics than they ever do when they play <laughs> for the NBA team. I might actually watch the NBA yeah. a lot if they played yeah, that kind so, of defense there. So they're they're not cutting it, and maybe they're picking up the tempo to kind of you know ease uh, Booker and Middleton and uh, you know guys back in uh, that were in the championship. So they're starting to come into form. Uh, but man, it's it's it'll be a disgrace. Uh, I watched a four by one last night. Oh yeah. They, they looked absolutely oh, horrendous, and that's not acceptable. Don't get me started. They were in like fifth or sixth, I think they got. And the last, the like guy running last anchor, he was absolutely horrible. Like two guys passed him, and then they had a bad exchange. They ran up on the guy. It was awful. Uh, you know, so I mean, you know, this is my world. Ba- yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I love track too. So right. yeah, yeah. I, you know, I finished eighth out of eight. You know, in the hundred in the final. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I ran track. <laughs> it was it was disappointing it because was. since I saw this article the other day, since 1912, the United States has struggled with relay passes. They have it, every single time. I feel like. When, well, it's because when, they're putting guys together and not right. they're not working out like the other countries oh. are working together all the time. It's just you know it's That's like correct. everything else they're putting the. You know, the basketball team together, you know, at the end. And, you know, meanwhile, most of those teams are bringing just one or two guys in that were maybe in the NBA, and then the rest of the time their teams have been playing. So that's what happens with the relay. That's why they always have great transition and passing the stick. They're always in the hunt to win it. And, uh, man, that was disappointing. That, that was uh, – It really was. It was. I was, I was a, guy, a little perturbed, to be honest. You had a guy in uh, – I can go in the weeds with this. I'm, I'm not going to. But you had a guy in Fred Curley, who's the silver medalist, uh, who's a 400 guy. Yeah. But they still had him passing a baton. Right. And they asked him, they asked a couple of the guys after the race, uh, if they had practiced a whole lot. And they said no. Yeah. Like, no, we just kind of, you know, got here and that was – Pretty much it. Like what? Yeah, they practice like I, I think uh, some miles away. At a, right. Yeah, Here was for, the exact quote. Uh, they were at Fred Curley asked how much they had for this event as a how much they had practiced for this, this event coming in. Fred Curley, the second leg, said, "Don't know," and Ronnie Baker, one of the other runners, said, "Not much." U.S. was the best team on paper in this Olympics. Yeah. Jamaica has won the last three gold medals in the men's that. four by one hundred. They don't have Usain Bolt finally. This was the U.S.'s chance to finally win a four-by-one, and they, again, have trouble with the baton on the second relay exchange, and now they can't even run in the final. Yeah, well, yeah, the second exchange as well as the the anchor leg guy wasn't wasn't, uh, up to my snuff. When guys are passing you, two guys pass them. You go watch it. And I was like, wow. The last guy is supposed to make up all the difference for all the faults that happened, and he definitely was not that guy because they could have still got, like, fourth – and maybe, uh, you know, even possibly, you know, bronze, but it just didn't happen. They didn't have it. They, they were so perturbed when they interviewed him afterwards. Oh, they were not three of the guys didn't even speak, and one guy just said, I gave it all I got. He was the lead guy, uh-huh. and he said, I did a great job. Nothing against any of those guys, but he said, I'm a little pissed off right now. And then they were trying to go to other guys. The other guys started looking off in the air <laughs> and everything else. They it's said, okay, let's go to break. a relay team. I've, I've done that job. Ooh. It's weird when you're interviewing four guys, guys. at once. And you have to have a different question ready for each of them. It's one of the weirder dynamics I've had as an interviewer uh-huh. on TV or just for a website or anything, interviewing a relay team. And that's a that's a harder job than people think. Yeah, no, no doubt, because you always want to start with the guy who starts and then the guy right. who finishes at the anchor. And then you're trying to ask questions with the people at the like second and third leg. Keeping like, track of four different storylines uh-huh. to ask about. It's mm-hmm. strange. I do like uh, the fact that when um, – 
like I'm trying to like get ready for bed and like I mean which for me is like <laughs> eleven thirty. Eleven thirty. We really want to know this story. No, no, it's <laughs> it's like I, hey, there's live track and field. Like I'm going to sleep last night watching the first half of USA Australia. Like it's a, it, I've complained a lot. I feel like a lot of people have complained about the Olympics this year in the way it is completely on the opposite time zone of us. So mm-hmm. you know we're going to sleep in America and they're just getting started for the nighttime session and prime time right. in Tokyo. And then opposite is, oh, hey, great. What's on the Olympics right now? I'm, you know, starting my day and it's middle of the night in Tokyo. People talk about the TV ratings being so down. I don't feel like that's the only reason why. It's just because it's on in the middle of the Time. night. And I don't care about watching something that's recorded that I know what already happened and then just watching it like it's live at yeah. 9 o'clock. I mean, I don't know how, as a TV person, you get around that and make it entertaining. Because if I know what happens, why would I sit there and watch it? I know I, I completely agree with that. Only thing about the Olympics for me, uh, maybe more so because of my wife, she just wants to see it live to see actually how it happened. Right. Like if someone faltered or didn't do so well, even if they did well, want to see the actual performance. Really, yeah, at the fair. end of the day, and, and that's that's really it. Uh, you know, you know, she's not following social media to see that. Oh, right. okay, such such one. But yeah, we would still want to see it live. So oh, okay, yeah. I, I actually, and that, that came up as an example with Simone Biles when she actually did the beam. So we said, okay, we knew she right. got, you know, the bronze, but we wanted to actually see her perform. Uh, and so uh, I, I naturally led to me uh, watching diving because I was a big diver growing up. Really? Yeah, I was three-meter platform. No mm-hmm. way. I didn't know this about you. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, people wow. don't know that I used to do. Well, how long <laughs> did you do this? Uh, all the way to high school. No I, way. I, no, and, and people go, don't laugh. I wanted to be the next Greg Louganis. Okay. <laughs> no doubt. That, That's that, awesome. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah I, I remember him. I, he had his head. Was that in the Olympics? Yeah, it was. It was in Indianapolis in an auditorium, and that's where we had right, our prom at. Right. Oh, uh, wow. So, yeah, indoor prom Catholics. You know, yeah, so you got to watch out now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, you know, that, that, that I really, that was, I have medals and everything, you know, from swimming, uh, freestyle breaststroke, and diving. Three meter. Wow. I did not like the the high, yeah, the ten meter. No way. Lucas, did you know this? No. No, no is, I knew this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've you mentioned brought it up Greg Luganis, and I don't uh, know who yeah, that is. That's yeah. what I said. Wait, I, you, what, you yeah. didn't know who that was? No, I never heard that name in my life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You didn't know. Oh, this We're is the first time you're gonna say that. Today. Are you looking him up right now, or you looked him up in the past? Uh, I had looked him up. Yeah. No, you said it was cool. You said you wanted to be like Greg Luganis. Before, I, really I mean, did. before you played football, before you wanted to play in the NFL or anything. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe the foundation of swimming really helped my football career. Oh, absolutely. I used that the entire time. I actually hear I used to uh, go to the wide at like yeah. seven in the morning in the off seasons and, and go do my little swimming workout. That yeah. is a full mm-hmm. body workout. Yes, it is. Probably more so than. Yeah. Full body uh, as well as cardiovascular sports, right? Like uh-huh. it is. Yeah, you get the cardio, arms, legs, like all of it. It's it's good training. I can't. So I, my mind is blown watching water polo. I know we got to go to break. Yeah, watching oh. water polo because oh. I can't like tread water normally. For, oh, that, but no, I can tread water. <laughs> but for how long they're doing it? And then with people pushing on them and stuff, like, uh, that's hard. It's the way they explode out of the water for yes. a shot or a that save. Really like hard. they just rise up. Like there's yeah. no way that they're not launching themselves <laughs> off the floor of that yeah, pool. It's yeah. incredible. I feel like they are. Like no, he was touching the bottom of the pool. Right, right. But they're not, man. That's pretty impressive, by the I, way. I can't jump that high just playing like pool basketball in a four foot pool, and they're out here just skying into the air. 
incredible. <laughs> All right, when we come back, uh, John Glennon broke the news uh, earlier this afternoon that Deshaun Kaiser will be the casualty in the Titans quarterback room, making room for Matt Barkley. We'll discuss that, plus his takeaways from week one of training camp in the books, two fully padded practices. We'll get John's thoughts on who is impressed and maybe who has not impressed so far at Titans training camp. We'll discuss that and much more. John Glenn of Broadway Sports Media coming up. It's Blaine and Mickey, and it's 104.5 The Zone. It's Blaine and Mickey, and it is 104.5 The Zone. Alongside Blaine Bishop, I'm Will Bowling. Glad to be with you until 3 o'clock this afternoon. Lots to discuss on a Titans off day. And joining us right now to do just that, John Glennon of Broadway Sports Media. Kind uh, of him to give us some time. John, uh, the timing worked out for us uh, pretty well to have you on today. You broke the story about uh, Deshaun Kaiser out and Matt Barkley in. Uh, it is nice of the Titans to schedule around your appearance here with us. It was very nice. You know, I, I, I called them this morning, said, if anything happens, I'd like it, you know, maybe within the hour before going on. They passed it all the way up the chain. Everyone agreed, signed off, and, and, uh, and boom, there's the transaction. So, uh, so here we are. Here we are. Absolutely. Uh, uh, what can you tell us about uh, the addition of, of Matt Barkley? I know we've run through a little bit of his resume and what he's done in the past, but uh, was this a surprising move or – did you expect the Titans to make some sort of change given the way Kaiser has looked in that quarterback room? Yeah, it's, it's not unexpected in, in that regard. Um, you know, I think they gave, uh, they obviously liked what they saw from Kaiser, you know, on the practice squad last year. That's why they signed him to a futures contract. And, you know, uh, you know, I think he did some, some decent things in the spring and, and the, uh, you know, the OTAs and so forth, but it just wasn't happening. Uh, you know, during the first week of training camp, he he did have his chances. As as Mike Vrabel said, there were times you know where he uh, intentionally gave Kaiser you know kind of more reps uh, than than Logan Woodside. You know, with, with higher personnel, just to to give him a bit more of a chance. But I think we saw you know too much hesitancy you know too often from Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, you know, one play that that kind of stood out to me in recent days was. A red zone deal. They're on the right hash mark, um, and and Kaiser kind of hesitates as he's back in the pocket, hesitates a little too long, and then still makes the long throw to the opposite sideline, um, you know, near the end zone, and it gets picked off. I, I believe it was by uh, Maurice Smith, and yeah, that's only one play, but you know, there there were too many mistakes, um, not enough decisiveness from Deshaun Kaiser, and I think the Titans just said, you know, it's. I, Somebody you know uh, that that we think can give Logan Woodside better competition uh, for that number two spot is uh, is Matt Barkley, you know, and and like Kaiser uh, doesn't have a you know a great track record, but you know certainly some professional experience. Unlike Logan Woodside, he is a guy guy that has gotten into games uh, in the past and so has a track record uh, from from that respect. So we'll uh, we'll see what he brings to the uh, to the table, but you know I still have to favor. Logan Woodside in this simply because of his experience in the system. You know, he's been there for, for two years, and I think it's pretty clear that the Titans like what they see from Logan Woodside. The, the only question, you know, that, that remains 
really can't be answered, you know, unless he makes the team and, and there's some type of injury to Ryan Tannehill, and that's how he, um, you know, plays in a real NFL game. Well, and John, too, that, that's the biggest takeaway I have from this is how impressive it is uh, how many other quarterbacks in this room that Logan Woodside continues to outlast. Uh, it, it's incredible to think about the continuity he's had within this quarterback room and how regardless of whoever the Titans bring in, they're obviously seeing something in him that they like well enough for him to kind of be the survivor every time this rotating door of, of a third quarterback comes in. Yeah, you know, uh, they clearly want to give him competition. You know, we've seen Kaiser, and now we'll see Matt Barkley as well. But, um, you know, as I say, I think there's something to be said for being in that system, even though it's just on the practice squad for a while. You know, we did get to see Logan Woodside in some preseason games in 2019, and, he, you know, he fared okay pretty decently for himself for the most part. No preseason games last year, but, you know, when we talked with Logan Woodside, earlier in in camp uh you know he's very much looking forward to getting some action uh this year in preseason i think he'll get plenty of it i don't think we'll see a ton of uh, of ryan Tannehill. um so yeah uh, as i say you know nobody can say nobody has the crystal ball to say yes if ryan Tannehill goes down logan woodside will be able to step in and, and execute well enough to give the ch- the titans a chance to win you know you, you just can't do that until you see it but I, as I say, I still think he's got uh, an edge in that department. It'll be nice to see what Matt Barkley brings to the table. You know, he's, he's had, uh, you know, a, a bit of success, but, but you know, less than expected, I think, over the years. But, uh, again, I think the Titans just figured we can give Logan Woodside more competition than we did with Deshaun Kaiser. And, and I don't know, you know, I, I guess I should also point this out, too, at, at the end of Tuesday's practice, you know, Deshaun Kaiser uh, appeared to hurt his throwing hand mm-hmm. really on almost the last um, rep in practice. I think he hit it off a defender's helmet. You know, you could see him shaking his hand, and you could hear him um, uh, after the after the play. Now, he practiced on Wednesday, so, you know, maybe he tried to give it another go. You know, I, I, I don't know whether that affected the decision or not, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we'll see what Matt Barkley brings. John Glennon of Broadway Sports Media with us here on 104.5 The Zone. Well, J.G., man, thanks for coming on. But do you think Barkley's coming in with his resume, whether you look at the wins and losses, what have you, but he's been a starter in this league as the actual backup, or will Woodside actually still get to compete for that backup spot? Oh, I think, you know, Woodside very much gets to compete. As I say, I I think he still holds the edge here uh, because of his experience in the system. Uh, you know, and, and the fact that the Titans have, have liked him well enough to, to keep him here. You know, Matt Barkley hasn't done much playing here in the in the past few years. He got in for a couple of games uh, towards the end of last year. Uh, you know, in terms of the last time Matt Barkley made a start, uh, you have to go way back um, to, uh, to th- 2018. He's had one start in 2018, so he hasn't started a game. Uh, you know, in the last two seasons, and he's only had seven starts overall. So it's not like he's gotten an incredible mm-hmm. amount of experience on the on the resume. Um, but but again, you know, a guy who probably deserves a uh, another shot. Uh, anyway, we all know uh, that the NFL has a scarcity of quality quarterbacks, and that means you know teams are constantly scrambling to find a good backup. There just aren't enough uh, out there. So. Um, they'll bring 
bring him in. Uh, they'll give him a shot. And if I had to put money on it, at the end of the day, Logan Woodside is still going to be the number two. Yeah, representing the MAC Conference there at Toledo there. <laughs> I'm excited about that. <laughs> but uh, does the offense look a little bit different, you know, than last season without going into any details? Uh, I mean, or do they look like they're running the same offense? I know Henry hasn't done much there with the team, but uh, just, you know, I, I'm just curious because I was only out there yesterday and it just seems like they've kind of made a few tweaks. Uh, I know even the cadence was a little bit different too. Yeah, and, and I think that's why, you know, when you speak of the cadence, I think that was part of the reason anyway we were seeing some exchange problems, you know, earlier in camp, that and the fact that, you know, uh, Munyer was filling in for, for Ben Jones one day. I think that contributed to that as well. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say there there have been some, some tweaks. Um, it's hard to get a real sense, though. You know, we haven't seen Josh Reynolds out there since day two. You know, we saw, we, we hardly saw Julio Jones get involved in any team drills before, you know, he gets uh, banged up there and, and the Titans are going to be patient with him. Of course, Derrick Henry's at very, very few team reps. Uh, so it's a little bit hard to, to get a sense right now uh, of exactly how it compares. But you have to assume, you know, that with a new offensive coordinator, Todd Downey coming in there, you know, uh, he, he's going to want to make some some tweaks of his own, even though clearly last year was a very successful system. But you do have to adjust, too, to the, I think, uh, most importantly, to the change at the tight end position, you know, and how you're going to work that. Johnny Smith was a guy who could come in there, who could block, who could catch passes. And now you have a little bit more, um, you know, of, of a challenge at tight end. Is Anthony Ferkser a good enough blocker to be out there and, and be able to catch passes a lot of the time? Or, you know, do you have to work uh, two tight ends to – uh, in there, do you have to have Jeff Swaim in there more regularly because he'll be a blocker? So, you know, still some some questions um, to be answered, and and yeah, I'm sure we'll see some some a few differences along the way. Well, I was out there at practice, but I actually missed this play, and that was the Brady Breeze hit. Kind of mm-hmm. take us through that, <laughs> and like what happened? Was it really you know worth getting thrown out? I know the coach threw him out, but was he just really trying to err on the side of caution and trying to bring awareness to the other players? Like, Hey, we need to you know, protect one another. Yeah. I, I wasn't far away from that. And, and I saw it and I was like, well, that's not the smartest play in the world. Uh, Brady breeze, but I didn't, uh, you know, immediately see and say, wow, that guy needs to get tossed. But, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think uh, Mike Vrabel was taking any chances uh, either. You know, just a couple days we saw what happened in Carolina uh, you know, a, a serious hit in, in training camp, an unnecessary hit, um, you know, got a guy cut from a team when he could have injured a player. So, you know, what, what happened was uh, Des Fitzpatrick goes up at the goal line. He's, he's going up to, to get the ball. And, you know, it's all well and good for Brady Breeze to try and break up the pass. But, you know, he went at it uh, like he was in a game and he was just going to hit basically Fitzpatrick instead of even trying for the ball, which normally you would do more of in training camp. Um, and, and it wasn't like he cleaned him out, but he did, you know, hit him uh, upper body in the air, you know, and, and knock Fitzpatrick down. Um, and Mike Vrabel wanted none of that. Uh, you know, there was a, uh, a, a lively uh, volley of words from, from Mike Vrabel. Um, and before you knew, Brady Breeze was uh, was trotting towards the locker room. And, and practice ended, I think, just like a play or two later. Uh, um, but, you know, afterwards, Mike Vrabel said, you know, I, I know he's a young guy. He's trying to make the team and, and do what he has to do. Um, but still, you can't 
take a risk like that. And he said, hopefully Brady Breeze will, will learn from it, which, uh, which I'm sure he will. What do you think the odds are on Brady Breeze making the roster? Yeah, I think that's a question mark. I, I think, you know, I, I did a 53-man, you know, even before they reported to uh, to training camp, um, and I did not have him on that 53-man projection, which I did. Um, you know, what may help him uh, is, is Dane Crookshank, you know, uh, who's a good, very good special teamer we know and, and plays from time to time uh, in the defensive backfield, but one problem with Dane Crookshank is, is injuries, he's a lot of hurt. injuries, yep. you know, over, over the years he's been with the Titans. And right now he's out uh, again for the last couple of days. Some, some type of uh, injury is keeping him off the field. So maybe that helps Brady Breeze get some more reps in there. And, you know, Brady Breeze is going to have to be one of those guys that, you know, in preseason games shows he can excel in special teams, you know, and maybe if he gets a foothold on special teams, then, then maybe, you know, a year or two down the road, he's, he's uh, showing also he can contribute uh, on the field as well. But, you know, odds are kind of so-so, I think, for a seventh-round draft pick to, to make the roster. So I don't, I don't think he's a, he's a lock uh, by any stretch. You've got uh, Matthias Farley, you know, the free agent signed at safety, and, and you've got Crookshank, uh, you know, backing up the, uh, the top two. So, yeah, Brady Breeze, I think, still has his work cut out for him. We're on with John Glenn with Broadway Sports. John, keeping things in the secondary, two guys, of course, that uh, need to have big years and big training camps, Amani Hooker and Christian Fulton, uh, two guys that have certainly stuck out to me in, in spending the last week or uh, week and a half, I guess, uh, uh, at the end of this week at training camp. What have you made of the way those two guys have played so far? Yeah, for the most part, I've been impressed. Um, you know, Fulton um had had a great day of course earlier in the week he picked off Ryan and Tannehill mm-hmm. once and and honestly should have had three picks uh in that game and I believe all three came off all three would have come off Tannehill as well but he couldn't hold on to a couple of them so I think he's much improved uh from last year um and I think one of the reasons honestly is is uh you know, I think he's probably playing much more uh, on the outside this year, which was kind of what he did in college, you know, kind of his comfort zone last year because of the personnel the Titans had. You know, they were basically turning him into their nickel guy, which he maybe he would have gotten uh, eventually, but that was not what he had a big, uh, you know, what his, what his experience was in college. So I'm sure that contributed to his struggles. The COVID did, the injury um, but now, you know, we asked him just the other day how much a, a real off season uh, has helped him, and and you know, he said it's been a, been a big difference coming into this year, being able to go through OTAs, being able to go through mini camp. I think there's a, a higher level of confidence, so he's been uh, been doing pretty well. And and I think Hooker is a is a smart guy. You know, he's made a couple of uh, uh, nice plays in the ball, had an interception himself. I think he's going to be a good one. You know, we saw that last year. Uh, really, in, in you know fairly limited time, he had those four interceptions, uh, and I think the more uh, he, he is out there, the, the better he's going to be. And, and Mike Vrabel mentioned it earlier, also. You know, he, he stressed uh, having his guys know the entire defense, not just what their own roles are, um, but you know what the what the entire defense is supposed to do on plays. And he said Hooker is is getting better and better in that guard in that regard, recognizing what's going on all over the field, as opposed to hey. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm so concerned about what I'm doing now that I'm a starter. I can't afford to worry about everybody else. You know, he's starting to get that that bigger picture out there. Well, and John, too, I know that so many people at the corner position are going to ask, "Hey, what 
uh, what's Caleb Farley doing? When's he going to be in that starting rotation? Uh, when is he going to be getting these team reps with uh, Jack Rabbit Jenkins and, and with Fulton? And it makes the conversation so interesting when Fulton has had a pretty good camp so far and had that one just exceptional day that you're talking about. So all that being said, what is a realistic timeline for Caleb Farley to get integrated into that group and to start getting more team drills versus just getting integrated in these individual periods? Yeah, you know, he, he's uh, he's done well so far. It's been light drills for him so far, just kind of individual things. Um, you know, I would suspect that continues. You know, I'm, again, speculation on my part, but I, sure. I would think maybe that continues uh, up until, uh, you know, maybe that first preseason game against Atlanta and, and then maybe start working him, um, you know, a, a little bit more in uh, after that. Uh, because we also have to remember, you know, obviously the other things, uh, one with a rookie uh, is that he's making the transition into the NFL. Two, you know, Caleb Farley opted out uh, of his uh, season last year. So it's been a while since he played out there. And then three, the thing we also have to remember is that he honestly hasn't played the uh, corner that long. You know, he didn't come into college originally as a, as a cornerback. I think it was a running back, um, you know, and so there was a transition transition there. So he doesn't have a, a real extensive resume yet. He's got incredible skills, but, you know, I think there's a learning curve that, that we're going to have to see from, from Caleb Farley, um, you know, and, and maybe that takes a little bit of time. And, and maybe if you're, you know, depending on how things go, maybe Christian Fulton is a, is a starter on day one across from Janoris Jenkins, maybe Farley comes on. Uh, we'll, we'll see, but I do think that there's going to be some, some time that, uh, that Farley takes, not from a, uh, as much from, you know, skill standpoint because we know what he brings to the table there but you know probably just a little bit of a learning curve i think john glennon of broadway sports media with us here on blaine and mickey 104.5 the zone yeah jg uh man we've seen Tannehill, you know have some good days bad days but man is it just because the defense is that much better than the last uh, let's say couple years that's a, that's a good question. I, I've been surprised. You know, I don't think we saw any interceptions yesterday, but mm-hmm. certainly, you know, in the days previous to that, I've noticed more interceptions and, and certainly more interceptions from Tannehill than I'm used to, to seeing. And I suspect, you know, we're, we're probably seeing a few things there. Uh, one, you know, as you mentioned, the defense, I, I think they're, they're using maybe a little bit more of an aggressive uh, approach this year, you know, less uh, less space given to receivers um you know i i think they're they're willing to take some more chances maybe than they had in the past i think we're seeing a little bit of that i think we're also seeing ryan Tannehill adjusting um you know to to some new receivers out there uh you know he's got aj brown who basically all he has to do is is, uh, is throw it up somewhere and aj brown is going to come down with it but you know some of the other guys out there because uh, uh, you know, of the change of, of, of personnel he's, he's not real used to. So there's probably a little bit of adjustment there. Some of these guys are younger, and you've seen on a couple of uh, mistakes, you know, Ryan Tannehill has had that little crooked finger out to the receiver afterwards saying, okay, come, come here, buddy, come here. We got, we got to talk after that one because, you know, we weren't on the same page, and, and you certainly get the idea it was the receiver who was on the wrong page. Um, but uh, And then, as, as, you know, we talked about earlier, I'm sure there are some tweaks uh, to this offense as well. So there, there are going to be some adjustments and some bumps there, but uh, all in all, yeah, it, it has raised an eyebrow. I, w- I would say I'm just not used to seeing uh, some of those, uh, some of those picks. So 
I guess if you're a Titans fan, you you clap for the defense and uh, you hope that uh, everything uh, gets ironed out for the offense in the weeks coming up. One more thing. It was kind of interesting. Shane Bowen talking about, you know, he gets to go around and bounce around the the meeting room, the meeting room. And I'm thinking, well, dang, he didn't get a chance to do that the previous season, even though he was entitled the D.C. He was making the calls, right? That's what they said. (laughs) Correct. Correct. And I I do think that's a that's a big difference. You know, it it was just such a weird situation in the way I, I looked at it last year, because. You know, first of all, Shane Bowen doesn't get the title as defensive coordinator. So, you know, you're you're left, uh, you know, with, with the phrase, you know, where where does the buck stop exactly on on defense? Um, and and then B, he seemed to be, ha- uh, you know, taking in all the responsibilities of a defensive coordinator, but he was also saddled with still, uh, you know, being the outside linebackers coach. So, you know, and and when you think about the outside linebackers last year. You look at Clowney and you look at Beasley. Both those guys missed training camp, basically. So, you know, Shane Bowen had a lot of responsibility on his plate trying to get those guys familiar with what the Titans were doing, you know, and and getting the outside linebackers up to speed. But at the same time, uh, you know, being in control of the defense. And I think every defensive coordinator certainly benefits, you know, A, during practices when you can move around, when you can see what the defensive line is doing. Uh, you know, how they're being coached, when you can see the secondary, what they're doing in practice, how they're being coached, and you, and you can say, hey, that, that's not exactly what I was looking for. You know, what what I want is this. Uh, and the same for meeting rooms, too. You know, he, he did, I think, when the, when the entire defense was as a whole last year, he was conducting meetings. But, you know, when they broke down and went to separate groups, he was the outside linebackers guy. So, again, he can't bounce into the various rooms and offer advice and get feedback and so forth. And, yeah, he talked about uh, how much better it is that, that he'll be able to do that this year, and and also that he builds relationships more with both the players uh, and the coaches. I, I think that leads to better communication, and we know how often the communication word came up last year uh, with with a struggling defense. So I, I think that has to be a a big boost for both Shane Bowen and the, and the defense overall this year. John Glennon has been our guest here on Blaine and Mickey. You can follow him on Twitter at Glennon Sports. John, appreciate the time. As always, good stuff. Thanks, AG. Okay, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, John Glennon, always good stuff from him. Uh, When we come back, Blaine, I want to get into um, a specific discussion we had with John about a lesson I think this Titans defense, and specifically John Robinson, learned based on last year's defense. I'm going to give you that and a little bit more uh, when we come back. Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Will Bowling, Blaine Bishop, hanging out with you until 3 o'clock. Coming up in hour number two, we're going to get into some Tennessee Volunteers Camp discussion. Coach Doug Matthews in studio. Always good to see Coach Matthews. He will join us coming up at 220 to talk some Tennessee as day two of camp wrapped up for the Vols this morning. Lots to discuss there. 615-737-1045 is the phone number. We go to the phones where Brian is in Nashville waiting patiently. Brian, welcome in. How are you? Thank you very much. It's uh, very nice to be on, and I appreciate you taking my call. Sure. Uh, My question for you guys is, the Tennessee Titans, obviously, there was a trade window around March or so. Forgive my 
lack of dates or whatever, but somewhere in that window when we saw some free agent signing and and uh, some some great acquisition. But in the last window here, it, I think there's some off-limit period of some type, and then it seems like there's an opportunity to pick up some guys after training camp. Do you think that the Titans will make any more substantive moves with like a high-level secondary, like I've heard possibly from the Miami uh, Miami Dolphins, or another defensive weapon, uh, Griffin, maybe the lineman or someone that's still out there in free agency? Right, yeah, thank you for the call, Brian. Um, look, I think that there's a um, there's always going to be a need after that first big injury, that first kind of change happens in camp, which really, Blaine, is kind of what we've seen with uh, Deshaun Kaiser. If John Glennon is right and it's this is an injury-forced kind of decision, then um, I think really right now it's based on need and just depth as far as veterans that can give you an extra body maybe an edge rusher or a corner, some of these deeper positions uh, through training camp. Shocked if uh, they make a trade, unless, uh, as you're alluding to, Will, if it's an injury. I think they feel like they have the depth at every position now. You're learning the system. Uh, I just don't see where they would go. Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, rumors about tight end earlier this offseason – they're going to trade, uh, didn't do that. And I think that was kind of the only position. No, there's been talk of uh, Xavier Howard here and everything else, but if Caleb Farley's on track, I just don't see it. Fulton's doing really well too. Uh, so, But they could always use for more depth there if Caleb Farley doesn't end up going. So we don't want to wish that on him. But, but if he continues to progress, I don't think they'll make a trade there. So I, I really don't see that unless there's an injury. And maybe maybe tackle. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't see it. I think Lamb... Like we were discussing, probably is going to be the early on-hand, uh, you know, uh-huh. starter. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, other than that, I I just don't see it. Well, this kind of leads me into the the discussion I wanted to get in with you here um, for a little bit of today's show is that I think John Robinson and this Titans team learned a lesson from last year in at multiple defensive positions. They're just deeper, and their plan B is better than last year's plan B. Here's what I mean by that. If Caleb Farley isn't ready to go by week one, maybe Caleb Farley gets inserted in the starting lineup week three, week four, which I think is a realistic timeline at this point with the time that he's missed and the time that he's gone without playing competitive football. Janoris Jenkins, uh, Jackrabbit Jenkins, excuse me. Sorry, Janoris. Jackrabbit. is, uh, Is a great plan B if Caleb Farley isn't ready yet. Your veteran plan B last year was Jonathan Joseph. And that didn't work out too well for this Titans secondary. Your, your plan B in the nickel is Elijah Molden, which could pretty quickly become a plan A. I look across this defense and, Blaine, I see more competitive depth that's going to create a higher level of competition within training camp, which, as you know, is, is important for these young guys to feel like they've got to compete to get on the field ahead of some of these veterans. But um, that, that kind of goes both ways because these veterans are trying to compete and keep their spots as well. John Robinson just has more options on the defensive side of the ball than he did this time last year. No doubt about it. I, I would say now you're you're talking about, okay, if Caleb Farley comes in now, who goes to the bench? Now you're talking about what, Christian Fulton? Right. I mean, uh, it, you've got some good And then he becomes a there. depth guy on the outside as well as in the slot too. So I think you're absolutely right and, you know, spot on with the, the B plan. You know, it's kind of interesting to see Fulton kind of take that next step. I, I think – 
you know, I wanted to kind of address that a little bit in his second season. He didn't have OTAs, neither is Jackson, you know, and he probably have kind of maxed out. But I think Fulton, watching him uh, have some impressive days and then respond to when he doesn't have a good, you know, play and then come back and make a good play is huge. And that's what happens in that second season. You're, you're much more prepared on what to expect, what you need to work on on the offseason, and then how to play within the scheme and then to make plays. Then the game starts slowing down for you. Mm-hmm. I still see a lot of playing off. I'm interested. Fulton played a lot of press in in college, so I'm, I'm interested. As you say they're playing a lot more aggressive. Everybody's talking about the defense is a lot more aggressive. I'm sure there will be times where he'll get to come up and get in someone's face and disrupt timing. So I, I think all those things play a part in the, the development of a player uh, foundationally uh, and mentally. Uh, so sometimes you're worried about, okay, you know, you were talking earlier about what Hooker, you know, JG was talking about Hooker needs to know more than just his spot. He needs to know where everybody else is, where everybody else needs to take that step. But it takes time. Every position is so different. Everybody's, you know, you know, brain power on understanding, you know, where they get help or not is a little bit different. And when you're out there, that corner on that island, I think a lot of times you just focus on the guy you have, formation recognition, what do they like to run when he has these splits. It takes time because everything is going so fast. Well, now if, if things are starting to slow down, you've gotten to play. You know what the coach is thinking when he calls that play. And right. then you're looking at the formation real quick. As soon as he lines up, you automatically should have like five plays in your mind. There are five routes that he's going to run. And you should know immediately. And as it gets closer to the snap, you should be like, all right, I know exactly what's happening here, whether it's two or three plays. And if you don't, you don't have that mental maturation process, then you'll just be a good, solid starting NFL player instead yeah. of a great player. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, when we come back, uh, let's reset the headlines, get you an update on the newest member of the Titans quarterback room. Plus, the Nashville Predators have made a move, bringing back uh, a guy who has been in this roster for a few of the last couple seasons. Uh, We'll tell you about who the Preds are bringing back to town uh, as our number two of Blaine and Mickey gets going on the other side. It's 104.5 The Zone.